Welcome to the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast. I am your host, Lupna, the Action Accelerator. The Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast is a weekly podcast where we give you insight into the personality of successful sushi adoring entrepreneurs, showing you that success is all about having fun in and with your business without the hustle and the grinding. And do we have an amazing guest for you this week? I know I say this each and every week, but I love each and every one of my guests and they're all amazing because they love sushi. This week, we've got Jess Critchlow and I do hope I pronounced her last name correctly. If not, she will correct me. And Jess is the owner of Light Up Work, where she helps professionals finally reach their big career goals, do the work they love, which I love, and ultimately make more money by making a radical change in their confidence and overhauling their people skills. Ooh, that sounds intriguing. She has over a decade of experience running training programs, coaching and consulting on workplace improvement initiatives across dozens of industries and countries. She's a TEDx speaker. Oh, I love that. Who loves geeky conversations. Oh my God, we're going to have a geeky conversation about confidence, <laughs> leadership, and entrepreneurship. And when she's not coaching a client, and here comes the real geeky staff, you can find her chasing her two kiddos with her husband in Canada and brewing yet another cup of tea. The people from the UK will love you, Jess. Welcome to the show. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me and letting me come and play in your sandbox with you because I've listened to oodles and oodles of episodes and I'm a fan. So I'm excited to play. Oh, lovely. It's always, it's always, always, always lovely to have a fan as a guest. Well, we always smile more and we're like all lit, like little, <laughs> we do a lot more hand gestures as fans. Part of what we do. <laughs> you, got, you gotta tell me. What's a geeky conversation? Oh, man. I can geek out on so many things. <laughs> and no, and you know, here's like my definition of a geeky conversation is where both people are like doing the nod thing. I know no one can see me because it's a pocket, but like doing the fast nod and going like, yeah, 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 and this, and oh, yeah, and that. And you just like, you kind of dive down this rabbit hole where you started at Game of Thrones and you ended up at like, the politics of pre-war Indonesia or something. And you hit like the Simpsons on the way. And it's just this ooey gooey. Yeah. Just like rabbit hole of all the things. So God, yeah, sounds we're like one of those today, I guess. Sounds <laughs> like me. I can go off tangent and come back again after about oh, 30 yeah. minutes. And the people oh, are yeah. thinking, you remembered that? And I'm like, yeah, I remember yep. that. <laughs> Okay, so tell us a little bit about you. You live in Canada and I know that you've got a business, but tell us a little bit more about you. Okay. Oh my gosh. Well, I've already warned you before we start recording, brevity is so not my signature strength, but I'm going to, you know, I'll give you that. I'll give you just the highlights. So yes, I am Canadian. I live in small town Canada, like full on postcard small town Canada at the moment. Like it's on a river. It's autumn when we're recording this. So it's got all the like trees that look like a watercolor picture. It's beautiful. But before this, I moved all over Canada. I moved to England, all like I did 10 years in corporate, all these different industries, took about, my business is about four years old, but it's actually been about eight years in the making. Like it's been a twisty, windy path. Essentially my life has been a geeky conversation, really trying to solve a lot of the, like I call it kind of the inner game part of mm. enjoying work. Cause here's the deal. 
Okay. And we can riff on this because I'm curious. I know you'll agree with me, but I want to find out anyways. We have been sold this kind of idea. There's either two ideas, like 90 something percent of people I talk to buy into about their paid work. So uh-huh. one is it's the cruddy thing you do to <laughs> cruddy thing you do to earn some money to go and do the things you want to do. It's not meant to be fun. It's supposed to be hard, it's supposed to sweat. You know, that's the thing that tends to be some of like my parents' generation for sure is like, yep, yeah. that's hundred percent. Right. So there's that one we bought into the other one that a lot of people have bought into is like my paid work has to fulfill every meaning every strength, every interest, every passion. Like my one job has to fill my entire soul's purpose on this earth. And so it's this angst filled like quest for finding the one. And I think both of these are dangerous and they both forget about the fact that sometimes your paid work can just be fun. Yeah. It can just be fun. Like it doesn't have to be your entire soul's hero's journey. It can be. And that's awesome. If it is, I'm not knocking that, but it doesn't have to be. And it doesn't have to be this horrible grind you have to get through. Sometimes it can just be the thing you enjoy doing. And then you go and do the merengue every weekend. Cause that's your passion. Like, do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. yeah, no, but it, with me? <laughs> yeah no, it resonates completely because one of the things that I did when I started my really very first real job, I mean, I've had mm-hmm. jobs since I was 14, but my very first real start of the career, as mm-hmm. we say here, I made myself a promise. I said, and I call it a sacred agreement. And I do that for a very specific reason. And that is because it is still a sacred agreement with myself which people find ridiculous. But I think that it's more important to make sacred agreements and commitments to yourself than any other person in the world. And that was, if I'm not having fun, I will leave no matter the circumstances. So even if I'm in a shitty job that I'm not having fun and I do not have another job lined up, I'll leave. I'm not staying anywhere where that is not the case. But that implied or that translated into I am responsible for making my work fun Mm. as much as I can because I agree Mm -hmm. I mean I haven't found a job that is 100% fun even now as an entrepreneur having the freedom to do what I want when I want it with whom I want it there is still aspects of the entrepreneurship that I do not like admin being one of them. Sure. Oh yeah. I just don't. And I'll never Bookkeeping enjoy it. makes my face melt off my bones. Like I'm just like, I don't want to coat my expenses. Yeah. yeah. And, I, I, and I've <laughs> never enjoyed doing it and I'll probably never enjoy doing it, but it's part of what it is. Sure. So for me, I've always then, I want to have at least the 80, 20 rule. Yes. Yes. Fun. 20% is fine. We need to do it. It's part of the job. And whether you're a corporate professional or an entrepreneur, And in the about almost, we're talking 17 years. Yeah. 17 years, I left three times. Mm -hmm. And I've only worked in organizations with at least a thousand employees or more. Mm -hmm. And it was governmental organizations and academic hospital. So it was hierarchical, bureaucratic, not very innovative. (laughs) Yeah, so very I, slow moving machines. Very That's slow moving. Hearing. Yeah. So yeah. Imagine me with the secret <laughs> agreement of having fun, being entrepreneurial, 
Yeah, being the ideas gal. Yeah, being yeah. the crazy ideas gal, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. spending almost two decades in that environment and, mm. and in total of that, and only leaving three times. That means that you can have fun anywhere. A hundred percent. Yes. And I have had the opposite corporate experience. I was all over the map, like different countries, different industries. And I think it's that similar thing. Like I can have a teammate who we're sitting in the same office. We're having this relatively the same experience. And one of us is miserable and just talks about all the things that are wrong. And let me be clear. I love solving problems. I'm not suggesting just pretend everything's great and you'll be fine. No, like of of course, recognize what is not right and have fun. Like it's, I think we have this weird thing where it's mutually exclusive. You're either improving things or having a good time and the two don't get to coexist. And I think that's crap. I just... Oh man, crud. <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 no worries. No worries. I mean, the podcast is about giving insight into the personality of ignoring entrepreneurs, and that personality can contain anything. So, okay, good. I'll keep, it, I'll keep it capped at crap. But anyway, you. You know, you. <laughs> no, but I think, I think one of, yeah, yeah, it's just they can live in the same. And in fact, they should. Well, it's impossible not to. I mean, there's one thing in the personal development space and that is the emphasis on you have to be positive think positively Mm. all of the time and it is to a certain degree good advice but if you give it the meaning of okay so if i'm not thinking positively 100 percent, there's something wrong with me then you did not get Mm -hmm. the essence of that message Mm -hmm. and i usually say having studied the science of happiness so from a scientific point of view not Mm -hmm. from a woo-woo point of view Mm -hmm. we human beings experience the wide range of emotions so you can negative emotions and positive emotions and both have a purpose they have Mm -hmm. a purpose that's why they exist that's why we have them that's why we experience them and both of them give you feedback if it's a negative emotion, whether it's anxiety, fear, or whatever, it's giving you the feedback that what you're doing or about to do is not in alignment with mm-hmm. your values or with your core self. Mm-hmm. So change. That's basically a signal for change. That was pretty much the main theme underneath the TEDx talk I did, which was, I talked about sort of the myth of the emotionless professional, right? Ooh. That you hear all the like, leave your personal life at the door. And just go in and like have this bland Botox face and don't laugh too much because that's unprofessional, but don't cry because that's unprofessional and just be this little, little widget and do stuff and then go home. And first of all, talk about an impossible goal. Like if you want robots to do the things, then make some robots because that's not how humans work. This is an impossible goal. And our emotions are especially in corporate, Mm. they are such a freaking useful source of data. Like you can even put on your low rational hat and they are such useful data. And then to ignore all of that information is like, talk about a wasted opportunity. Absolutely. Totally it's just crazy. Yeah, totally, absolutely. Totally agree. So cool. So what you do, I mean, your introduction said you help people reach big career goals through mm-hmm. boosting their confidence and mm-hmm. their purse people skills. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. I mostly just say confidence because all the people skills like roll into that anyways, yeah. but because I'm hanging out with other entrepreneurs, I like verbose it up a little bit. It's so funny. Like if you're my uncle and you say, what do you do? I just go, 
oh, I'm a writer. I'm not a writer. It's just so much easier than being oh, like, yeah. well, I oh, run God. online one-to-one programs and I run group <laughs> programs and I do, and he's like, what? So anyways, yeah. <laughs> oh, and because here's the deal. Here's what I see all the time, right? And I know you see it too. So I'm so curious is, and it's something I do by the way. So I'm uh-huh. not sitting here going like I solved this is uh-huh. I'm like, okay, if I just had one more master's, if I just had my PhD, <laughs> I'd be ready to go. And it's okay. like, yeah, I love higher education. And of course that would be useful. It's just not actually the thing stopping me from doing the stuff I want to do. Okay. It'd be great. And I love higher education. And I always say if I won the lottery, I would just go to university forever. It's just like, I don't need that. Right. It's not the thing that I need. And I've worked with like you name a profession and I've probably come across it in my corporate career or self-employed yeah. world. Yeah. It's just like, you know, it's not more training. Get more training because that's useful. Just don't make up that that's the reason you can't do the thing. It's always the inner game stuff. It's always the people skills. It's always the confidence. It's, you know, get more training. Yes. Just don't make that the roadblock. Yeah. And I totally resonate. I think that one of the things that I share a lot about, and I literally was interviewed yesterday on a show about it, is mindset. It is the mm-hmm. inner game. I mean, whatever you do, mm-hmm. whether you're a career professional or an entrepreneur, I believe that 80% of your success lies in psychology, lies in whatever mm-hmm. is between those two is that we've got called mm-hmm. our brain. And we just give it less attention. I mean, it's 80% of your success, however you define success, that's up to you. And 20% is tactics, strategies, knowledge, etc. But if I look at the learning and development space in the corporate world where Mm -hmm. I came from, and even now with entrepreneurs, they spend 80% of their time, energy, money, and attention on the strategies and tactics. And Mm -hmm. then they actually try it and they go through a course, a program, a conference, whatever you want to call it. They come back and say, but I'm still stuck. And I'm like, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> You're trying to plant seeds on unfertile soil. I don't know if oh, you've ever that's tried such a it. Good analogy. <laughs> if you've ever tried mm-hmm. it, but that seed will not grow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it will not grow. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you know, as someone who was a learning and development manager in corporate, here's, I was a really annoying <laughs> development manager because someone would come to me and be like, Hey, can you just sign off on this training course I want to go to? And I'm like, no. They're like, what do you mean? No. I'm like, no, I have the money to send you so we can do that. But let's just take about 82 steps back. What's the behavior we're actually trying to change? Cause yeah, 15% of the time it's a training course. That's the yeah. right solution. Yeah. You know, not the other 85, like it's just not, it's an easy solution that that's explicit. Right. So we can like, I checked it off the list. It's like, yeah, you didn't actually change your behavior no. or solve a problem, no. but sure. Yeah, we did a check mark, and you had a weekend yeah. away, and that's nice. And yeah, and it's, yeah, and I'm again, I'm not knocking training in higher education. It's just be intentional about them. They're not going to actually solve 100% of your problems. It's no, no. And let me ask you, what are some of the challenges or problems that career professionals face? They come to you for? Oh my gosh. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I'd love to tell you it's one thing because, well, at least that's what my, like my marketing consultant would love, but it's. <laughs> and I wouldn't believe oh, really? you if you said that it's one <laughs> thing. But no, if I was to pick out some highlights. So one of the big ones is people who, and I work with kind of half entrepreneurs and half people mm-hmm. in corporate. One of the big ones is conflict. Mm. So someone challenges them in the meeting and they just are like, <gasps> And they're just like, yeah, no, okay, yeah, whatever you said. Yeah, let's just move on because I can't handle this. Yeah. 
right? Like that actually is confidence. You don't have to go on a training course for assertive communication. Like that's the inner stuff. And yeah, like we do some tips and tricks stuff, but it's the inner stuff, right? What's one of the other ones is, (laughs) this sounds odd, but is actually doing less. Mm -hmm. So having the boundaries and the confidence to say no to a promotion or no to coming in on the weekend or asking for reduced hours. None of that is easy in our culture. Like it's just not because it's busy is supreme. Yeah. Right. Like when you run into someone, it's so knee jerk to start going like, Oh, let's compare notes on how busy you are and how busy I am and how busy and busy and busy is busy is amazing. It's like, right. So it's tends to be stuff like that. And then a big one as well is people who have a career goal that they're just like, I can't get it. So promotion, starting a company, like a lot of people that I work with know they want to be Mm self-employed and they come to me for help. I'm not a business coach. I do not for a second like even dip the toe in that because I'm like, don't look at me. I'm still figuring it out too. But it's kind of that thing of I'm not ready to work with someone to help me with my marketing strategy. Mm. I don't even feel comfortable telling people that I want to do this. Mm. Like I don't have that yet. So we almost like the prerequisite course to do some of those. So that's some of the highlights that tends to be. And people are like, I know I need something and I don't know what it is. And I think you can help me because I'm like hiding a little bit. Cool, cool, cool. Well, as this is the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast, Mm -hmm. what's your favorite sushi? Okay. I gave this more thought than I should have. Oh my God. That was a very deep. Because because I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, can you pick a favorite child? Like, is that fair to the sushi? Right. I don't have a favorite child, even though one is more relaxed than the other one. Anyways, but I thought about it and I have settled on Unagi. (gasps) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And why? You throw a little bit of that eel and the rice and it's like the texture is perfect and the flavor is good. And it's just, I've never had a bad Unagi, you know, I've had some bad other things where I'm like, man, I've had better, but Unagi is just, it's a foolproof one. So that's me. Mm Mm-hmm. Throw up, like send me a bucket of unagi and I will get through it in about 10 minutes. Wow. Mm-hmm. I don't believe we've ever had a guest on the show that has said unagi. Um. Well, it feels a bit cheating because it's cooked. And I always stereotypically think of sushi as like salmon, salmon roll, yeah, which yeah, I also yeah, love. But yeah. no, it's, I got to go with unagi. I got to go with it. Oh, wow. And how did you start on your sushi journey? The town where I went to university, there was a sushi place. And of course, I am from a very small town. We have mm. one stoplight in my town. Trust me, I had not tried sushi until I was, I moved away to, a, to university. And it was a friend who was like, let's go for sushi tonight. I'm like, ooh, raw fish. That's weird. It's like, that's weird. I'm not doing that. But they're like, well, whatever. You can get like some chicken or something. So it's like, okay. So I came along. I got like teriyaki chicken, as you do. And then they're like, why don't you just try my salmon roll? I was like, I was like, okay, fine. But only because I'm brave and it's disgusting. And so I'm brave. And then I was like, this is the best thing. And then I ate all their food, which didn't go over well. No. And my love affair has continued since. Oh. I've tried to introduce my children to sushi. They're one and three. And the three-year-old does love like a little vegetable roll. But yeah. the one-year-old is like, where is my pasta? Get this garbage off my high chair. So we'll get there. We'll get there. 
Oh, I love that. We've had another guest who has a similar experience that introduced sushi to her children. One loves it. The other one mm-hmm. can't get their head, yeah. wrap their heads around sushi in any yeah. way, shape or form. <laughs> and to be fair, I mean, every guest that we've had up to this point, their sushi journey started later in life. I mean, mm-hmm. it started for me later in life. I mean, I'm from a Moroccan family, so we love fish. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of fish in Morocco, but it needs to be baked or in the oven. <laughs> Raw so is <laughs> part of that reality in any shape or form. My father still looks at me like I'm weird, like he made the biggest mistake in my upbringing ever because I eat raw fish. Yeah. Yeah. I lived on the East coast of Canada for a while and I had a favorite sushi place out there. My parents came to visit me, my dad and I, this is like old small town, grew up on a farm, Canadian man, right? Like old white dude stereotype is my dad. Right. And I was like, I'm going to get a platter of stuff. And he left it. (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) My mom though is like, she still refuses. She's like, this is, I'm not going to do it. So, but you know, I got one of them. Yeah, that's good that's good one is good no but i really love that so if i were to ask you that's one of the questions we've started to ask people yes because we were focusing on your personality is if you mm-hmm. Jess, mm-hmm. were a sushi what would the ingredients be okay here's the thing Watch. i think i'd be one of those you know those rolls you get that have just like ridiculous amount of stuff jammed in there <laughs> You know, yeah. one of those ones. And they always have a, they, each place has their own name. They'll the be like, rolls. yeah, or like the Tokyo gymnastic roll or something. And it's just chock full. I think that'd be me because I'm not, I gotta be honest with you. I'm not actually a passionate person. I'm like the ultimate dilettante. I love all of the things I can't decide. And I used to make that wrong. And now I realize it's my superpower because I just love learning about all the things. Like my latest thing is I've started doing those Ukrainian eggs. You know, you do with like, you paint them with wax and then you dip them in different (laughs) colors and you paint over with more wax with this little, yeah, I'm like a rainbow of random things. And then once I figure them out, I must admit, I do usually move on. Like I crocheted a lot of stuff and then went, all right, I'm moving on. Yeah, watercolors after the crocheting and then yeah and yeah so I'm one of the weird like chock full of 50 things roll that's me oh I love that I love that <laughs> and anything specific or should there something be added or not well, or, or doesn't that matter mm, no crab Ooh, no why? symbolism other than I think it's gross <laughs> I know I tried it once because I'm like, I'll love this because I love shellfish. And, uh-huh. and then I was like, why does it taste like rotten feed? I just, and I couldn't go back afterwards. So no crab, but other than that, just, yeah, all of the things, definitely the staples. You got to have yeah, the salmon, nagi, maybe some tuna. Uh, some, oh, what's that other one? Any the fruit? Yellow fin. Yeah, yeah, yellow fin. Okay. And um, any fruit? Well, maybe on the side. I'm not that brave. Maybe on the side, really? my, me have, as a sushi. Yeah. Have you ever had a salmon mango roll? No. Oh my God, you have. I will to admit that. to being intrigued, though. Oh, you've got to try that. Okay. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, right I'm writing it down. And to be fair, and we've got in two variations. One is with an actual little slice of mango on top mm-hmm. as a nigiri. Yeah. So a slice of salmon sure. and a slice of mango. Or I've also had it salmon with a splash of sauce, mango sauce. So it's not Ooh. a slice. 
at first when I saw it on the menu, I was like, I love mango. I love salmon. Both of them at the same time. (laughs) But together. (laughs) I don't know. And I tasted it and OMG, it is now one of my favorite. Yeah, I'm digging this. Okay. All right. So you might want to consider that. I've never had any other fruits on sushi, Mm. by the way, but that combination, Mm. yeah, that was. But it's sort of like that sweet and salty together is. Yes. I dig that too. Yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you might want to accept. So, and now the same question, but for your business, if your business were a sushi. Oh, oh my gosh. Is it weird that that's harder to answer? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, no. We've had guests that say it's the same because I am my business. We've had guests say, no, no, no. My business is a little bit different and all is well. Mm, no. Do you know what I think? Similar. It's a similar answer. So this is cheating a little bit, but whatever. You know those hand rolls you get where it's mm-hmm. like the seaweed yeah, is yeah, wrapped yeah. into a cone, yeah. like an ice cream cone just yeah. filled with sushi yeah. stuff? Yeah. I think I'm that. My business is that. Okay. Because I would actually argue my business is a little, even more manic than me. I hired an amazing web designer who makes my business storefront, my digital, my website, yeah, yeah. look very sensible and organized and beautiful. And I love her forever for doing that. But behind the scenes, I'm like, I'm running a webinar next week, next month for a law firm in Spain. I'm doing a virtual team building for a mattress company in the States. Like I'm all over the map behind the scenes. So just jam it all in there, but it looks good when you wrap it up. So I think that's me. Ooh, lovely, lovely, lovely. Yeah. (laughs) a good question. Wait, but what about you? I know you've probably answered it on here before, but I'm still curious. So if my business is a sushi, it would be a hand roll with rice, sashimi, tuna, avocado, and something spicy, chili peppers or something, and in a hand roll because it's powerful Mm. and soft at the same time. Love it. So, 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 Jess, mm-hmm. what, in your professional opinion, mm-hmm. is the relationship between confidence and sushi? Well, if I think of my experience with sushi, mm-hmm. confidence doesn't come first, right? So you can't know about what the sushi is going to taste like, like salmon and mango. What? Weird. But you got to just dive in, give it a little taste test and see. And same with confidence. There is no, once I am confident, then I will do the thing. It doesn't really work that way. I wish it did. It'd make life a lot cozier, but it doesn't. It's, I'm going to dive in, even though I feel like I'm going to throw up. And then I'm going to play it through and see where I land. Oh, I really love that. Because I think that one of the myths that is going around that you need confidence first to be able to take action. One of the very first things that I bust with my clients. I am with you. It's the other way around. Mm-hmm. Through action taking, it breeds confidence, courage, and mm-hmm. whatever you want to. But you need to take the action because then you get the traction. I well, love it. This other one last thing I'll say, and then don't get me started on the confidence rabbit hole. We'll be here forever. But um, there's this Ooh, weird. I hear a challenge coming up, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> be here all day. No, but there's this other weird myth we've bought into, and I have to like. I still have to notice when this is coming up, which is we think confidence means like no nerves. Mm. We think like not being nervous is a synonym for confidence and they're not even in the same realm. Like 
So I love public speaking. I truly do. I'm a trainer. So it, it makes sense, right? I love being in front of a room. I love doing public speaking. I love doing TEDx. I love doing company app, all that stuff. And let me be very clear. I have never once been on stage and been like, come cool and collected or whatever. Don't care. No, I've always had sweaty palms, a little bit of throb in my mouth, like blood rush in my head. And that doesn't mean I'm not confident. It means I'm excited and I'm all jacked up and I'm nervous, but it doesn't mean I'm not confident. So we got to break that too, where we think, oh, I'm nervous. Therefore I'm not confident. Get yeah. out of here. They're not the same thing. They're different. <laughs> Tease and those I, things. Yeah, yeah. And I love that you use the example of public speaking because one of the things that I get asked very, you, you love the stage. And I'm like, yeah, I love the stage. Mm-hmm. And I would go, how did you get that confident to get on the stage? I said, just be very mindful. Every time I say yes to a speaking engagement, literally in the drive to the location, now this was pre-COVID to be fair. Sure, of course, um, yeah. But I still have it with the live sessions that I do on Facebook. Now I've just delivered a four-part series on optimism, resilience, and using your signature strengths and hope. And I'm about to tomorrow to deliver a session on smart working habits. Every time, just before I push that button, Mm. go live or get on the stage, I go like, why did I say yes to this? Mm -hmm. What was I thinking? (laughs) I said yes to doing this. Yeah. Every time. The yeah. difference is that I acknowledge that it happened, but it doesn't stop me from still pushing that button or getting on that stage. Yeah. But I need to feel that. And I literally give the advice to people is that if anyone as a speaker ever told you, no, I do not feel that. I do not have butterflies in my stomach just before I get on stage. They are lying mm-hmm. because the best mm-hmm. speakers are the ones that feel it. Mm -hmm. but it doesn't stop them. It doesn't paralyze them. It doesn't go for, okay, I'm turning around, going back. No, Mm -hmm. you still do it. A hundred percent. You know, and a great analogy I always tell people is look, if you're ever confused about this, go and find an interview with an Olympic athlete. Oh yes. Let me be clear. They have a racing heart, sweaty palms. They are quote unquote nervous in terms of you could interpret that as nerves. What do they say when the interviewer, and every time, what a weird question to ask an Olympic athlete. They're like, are you nervous? And they always say, no, I'm so jacked up. Like, I'm so excited because it's the same feeling in our body. Yeah. They've yeah. just learned to interpret it as excitement and yeah. use it. Whereas some of us interpret it as, I'm nervous. I'm not ready. Oh my gosh, this is going to fail. I'm yeah. just not going to do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's the so exact true. same thing going on in our bodies. They're just using it and we're trying to push it away. And it's yeah. like, come on. Okay. So as we wrap up, because something's telling me that we can go on for hours and we probably should sometime. I would love to. What are your top three tips for people that are listening and thinking, oh, I could use with some confidence. I could use with some of my enhancing my inner game. What are three Mm -hmm. things that they could take away from our conversation? What would you advise? Only three. Okay. All right. I'm going to totally cheat and use the one we already talked about, but the one, one I give is when you feel the physiological stuff, like the sweaty hands and the throwing up in your mouth, which I use that because that's what happens to me, by the way, um, start to have a different story and even say it out loud. And I know that sounds hokey, but it is so useful for rewiring your brain to interpret it differently. So like, I'm so excited. I'm all jacked up because I'm excited to do this. Or if that feels too fake, the other one I sometimes use is, of course, I'm nervous. I'm about to be really brave. Of course, I'm nervous. I'm about to be really brave. So 
find whatever feels not totally fake. (laughs) It's got to have a grain of truth for it to be useful for you and say it out loud and start to train your brain to look at those nerves in a different way. So that's one. The other one I'd say is make friends with your fear. Like remember that that's just the part of your brain that's responsible for you being alive. That's it. And it's not good at interpreting the risk of a grizzly bear versus the risk of being a little bit embarrassed on stage. It sees both as the same. So be like, again, it's that like, oh, okay, I'm feeling tons of fear. What a great reminder that I'm being a badass right now. Okay. So like change that relationship a little bit. And the third thing I'd say is you really can't be confident in a vacuum. We like to think it's this lone wolf thing of like, look how amazing I am. I don't even care what anyone thinks. One, you do. So if you don't, you're a sociopath. So you do care what people think. So find your people. Like you cannot do this alone. Find the people who you're going to talk to when you totally screw up and you need to be cheered up. Who's going to give you honest feedback? Who's going to mentor you and give you advice? Like find some trusted people who will be with you and cheer you on and champion you because you can't do it alone. It's just not an option. So stop trying to make that a thing. Yeah. That's the three I'd throw out. Okay, cool. So if someone is listening right now and thinking, oh my God, I need that. How can they reach out to you? Well, the best two places to find me is I love some Instagrams. So you can find me at light up work and the other place is my website. <laughs> Cause again, I hired a website who <laughs> made it look like not a mess. Head over to lightupwork.com. I've got some free trainings and different things you can grab and play with and reflect on and tools and stuff on there. So those are the two best places to find me. Well, Jess, thank you for joining me today. Thank it was an you. absolute amazing conversation. Oh, and I loved forward. coming to play. Thank oh, yeah. you so much. And I am looking forward to having you back next year. Yes, definitely. Part two, part three, part, part seven. Well, oh, you know, we might need a few, but we'll... Part X, who cares? <laughs> we can keep this conversation going. And for you, and by the way, if you're listening and thinking... She really said that domain name really quickly. We'll make sure that we add it in the description with this episode. I do know that it's easier to do click and think, then rewind and listen. Okay. Well, she said WW. What did she just say? We'll make sure that it's a click of a button. So thank you again for listening to another episode of the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast. And we would love, 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 love to know what has been your biggest takeaway from the conversation with Jess. Do take a moment to share this with us in our Facebook group, the Entrepreneur Sushi Club. You will find the link to this group in the description with this episode. And if you know someone who will benefit from listening to this episode, please share it. And for now, have fun and we'll see you on the next one.